You are listening to Give Me the Bible with Len. Today's program is entitled Stewardship. Hello my radio friends. Thank you for your company today as we consider another subject from God's Word, the Bible. The Bible, as you probably already know, is a book about life about who gave life, what is the purpose of life, and how we should live. There is no doubt that if we live according to what God has told us in his word, we will be holy, happy, and healthy. And we will learn that God loves us. This week, we'll look at the subject of stewardship. Stewardship simply means what we do with what we have. So, what do we have? We all have time, we have thoughts and speech, we have possessions, we have friends, we have money, and we have abilities, and the most precious of all, we have life. Of course, There are those in society who have the idea that everything they have and get should be for their own enjoyment. Advertising homes in on these kind of people and encourages them to get things, that's stuff, so their lives will be filled with fun, ease and comfort. So what is the biblical perspective on stewardship? Probably the most outstanding thing is that what we are and what we have depends not only on us, but because God, the life giver, has granted us life. Psalms chapter 50 records some thoughts about God, the mighty provider. God is speaking. In verse 10 he says, For every animal of the forest is mine, and the cattle on a thousand hills. And then in verse 12 he says, For the world is mine, and all that is in it. Is God just being selfish? No, far from it. He's the creator, and so it is he who ultimately owns everything. We've been given the privilege of being able to use things for a while. To illustrate this, I once heard a speaker on the radio who was an expert in international and maritime law. What he said utterly amazed me. He said that because we Australians are subjects of the Queen, in reality what we think we own really belongs to her as she is our ruler. Legally, she owns our property and all the possessions we might have acquired. So, since we are subjects of the Queen, 
She not only owns our possessions, she also owns us. But is there any higher authority than the Queen? Yes, it's God. The Queen is subject to God. Therefore, all that the Queen owns is God's. So when you think about it, we're all subject to God. He gave us life and he is in control. Should God choose not to allow your heart to beat one more time or not to let you take one more breath, there is absolutely nothing you could do about it. We cannot sustain our lives forever. We die because we're sinners. But God can give eternal life. You see, life is a gift from God. But the question is, what are we doing with this wonderful gift? Do we see it as precious or do we waste it? There is a story, a parable told by Jesus, which illustrates what I've been talking about and it's found in Matthew chapter 25 and also Luke chapter 19. It's about an influential landowner who was going on a long journey and who was going to be absent from home for a long while. The date of his return was uncertain. So the man called his three most trusted servants and gave each of them a substantial amount of money and told them to look after it for him. The monetary unit was talents, and the conversion in today's money would be in excess of $1,000 for one talent. The first servant was given five talents, second was given two, and the last servant was given one. Then the master left on his journey. The first servant used the money and traded goods and made a good profit and in a short time had doubled the original sum. Likewise with the second servant, he also doubled what he had originally been given. The third servant looked after the money he was given. He dug a hole in a secret location and buried it. One day the master returned and called his servants in to see what they did with his money. Servants one and two were praised and commended because they had done what they could and used the money wisely and had doubled the original amount. However, servant three was condemned because he had made no effort to improve the amount he was originally given. He was dismissed and not welcome there any more. In Matthew chapter 25, verses 29 and 30, the Bible puts it this way. For everyone who has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he does not have will be taken from him. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. 
this parable has been applied in several ways. But I'd like to point out that it applies to how we live our lives, what we do with what we've been given by God. We are expected to do the best we can with what we have. That applies to our life, our health, our goods, our money, our relationships, everything. The third servant in the parable kept what he had and never used the money for improvement. This relates to the person who keeps what he or she has for their own selfish enjoyment. In other words, they are self-occupied, interested only in using what they have for their own pleasures. Such a life is unproductive and is of no benefit to society. God has instituted a wonderful system to help people, uh, to help prevent people becoming self-absorbed. It is known as tithing. Now a tithe is another word for a tenth or ten percent. God in his wisdom ordained that we human beings should give a tenth of what we have back to him. But how does that work, you might ask? Jesus explained one time about the judgment and outlined that there will only ever be two groups of people, the saved and the unsaved, the sheep and the goats. He presented a judgment scene and some of the saved questioned his judgment. Jesus outlined what they did for others and said, I tell you the truth, whatever you did for the least of the, these brothers of mine, that is, needy human beings, you did it unto me. And that's found in Matthew 25, verse 40. You see, God doesn't actually need what we have because it rightly belongs to him anyway. When we give tithe, God doesn't keep the money. What use is money to him? But the tithe is given to be distributed to others. There are a number of religious organisations where tithing is practised and encouraged. The Seventh-day Adventist Church is one of these. The tithe is used for the support of the ministers. Ministers do not depend on handouts or donations by the church members. The central organisation, the conference, receives the money and the ministers are paid a proper wage. The Apostle Paul mentioned something in the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 9 and verse 14, where he says, In the same way the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. And a few verses earlier he said, If we have sown spiritual seed among you, is it too much if we reap a material harvest from you? What Paul was saying 
was that those who serve as ministers have a right to have the material needs met by those they serve. Originally, when God instituted the tithing system amongst the Israelite people, the Levites were given the task of serving as priests. The other tribes were required to supply their physical needs, such as with food and so on. In fact, it's very similar to the taxation system. Everyone is required to pay tax to the government. The government redistributes the money to those who are in need. We'll have a little break here and then we'll go on with a question that many people ask. Sometimes it seems to me that time is standing still That the clock is ticking backwards Waiting there until The time has come to move again To make a brand new start And yet I find I leave behind A little piece of heart Moving on is hard sometimes When the past calls you back Hearts and dreams, they get broken No matter how you pack Love is never easy So I try and try again For when I find that missing piece It's worth it in the end It's funny what a difference That little piece can make the crack that slowly grows there Can cause a heart to break So I'm looking for that missing piece I know I'll have to find But in trying to look forward Guess I'll have to look behind Moving on is hard sometimes When the past calls you back Hearts and dreams, they get broken no matter how you pack Love is never easy So I try and try again For when I find that missing piece It's worth it in the end What's still to come? Is this the only piece that fits? Is there another one? Maybe in looking backwards That's a chance I'll have to face But somehow I know that missing piece Fits perfectly in place Moving on is hard sometimes When the past calls you back Worthy 
Some people have asked this question. How can I afford to pay tithe one-tenth my income and still have enough left to survive? Well, that's a very valid question and the answer is very interesting. In the last book of the Old Testament, Malachi, God addresses his people. We read this in chapter 3 and from verses 8 to 12. God says, Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. Yet you ask, How do we rob you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you're robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and I will throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not cast their fruit, says the Lord Almighty. Then the nations will call you blessed. Many people who have faithfully paid their tithe can tell how God has blessed them richly and they never suffered as a result. In fact, they tell how they seem to have more than enough even though they only had small incomes. Others tell of how their businesses flourished and grew again after they began paying tithe. One such example of how God honours his promise to bless is that of R. G. Latorno, whose business in manufacturing earth-moving equipment grew dramatically after he and his wife Evelyn decided to make God their business partner, and they paid a tenth of their income as tithe to the church. Their business grew so much, even in times of the Great Depression of the 1930s, that they paid a double tithe and then even a 600% tithe. That's more than half their income. You see, God blessed them greatly because he kept his promises. Test me, God said. And they tested him. You may have wondered how this would go for you. Test God and see what happens. I pay tithe and really I've never been in circumstances where I could say God has let me down. He hasn't and I can honestly say God has blessed me. No, we don't have a fortune in the bank. No, we don't have all the latest of everything, but we have enough, and more than enough. But when I consider other things, I could say that my wife and I have good health, we have a happy and stable marriage, we have a happy life, and we have a good relationship with our God, who we know loves us dearly. But this is only one part of stewardship. 
What about our God-given time, talents, and such other things? Did you know that God not only asks us to share our money and talents to help those who need help, but he wants us to be good stewards of our time. It was God who gave the Sabbath, the seventh day of the week, as a special time devoted to him. It was a time for us to worship and remember him. It is a time where we recognise that all that we have is because God gave it to us to use in the first place. To disregard the Sabbath is like disregarding God. Those who keep Sunday as their day of worship have somehow missed the point. As they dishonour God by having their holy day on a day other than what God has instructed. It is replacing a God-ordained institution with a man-made one. It's like giving God something he does not want. It's like celebrating the birthday of someone who is dear to you on a completely different day. But stewardship doesn't stop there. By sharing our talents, our sympathies and whatever, we are being good student, uh, stewards. Now finally today, I want you to consider this. Some of you listeners are Christians. Some of your neighbours and friends are not. As far as I'm concerned, having the hope of salvation is a wonderful gift. We are blessed and have a confidence and reassurance that can only come from our Heavenly Father. Is Christianity something that should be kept locked up inside us? Not according to Jesus. He said in Matthew 5.16, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and praise your Father in heaven. Living only for one's self is selfishness, and it brings only little satisfaction. Being good stewards, recognising that we are given the opportunity to use and share the good things that God gives us is much better. We become better adjusted mentally, socially, emotionally and psychologically as we become useful and valued members of society. Living for oneself is an end in itself. Sharing with others and being responsible to our Creator is satisfying and brings peace, joy and happiness. And so with that, dear listeners, we've come to the end of the program today. And I want to wish you those things I just mentioned, peace and joy and happiness.
Without.